we'll share briefly concerning Joseph. Genesis 41, 50 through 52. And unto Joseph were born two sons before the years of the famine came. Verse 51, and Joseph called the name of the firstborn Manasseh. The definition of that name, for God, saith he, hath made me forget all my toil and all my father's house. And the name of the second is called Ephraim. For God hath caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. I want to talk to you about the two sons of Joseph this morning, Manasseh and Ephraim. For God hath made me to forget, and God hath made me to be fruitful. I think things come in that order as far as Christians are concerned. I think there are times when believers struggle with the past. Even though we celebrate communion and even though we know the scriptures concerning the blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses us from all sin, there lingers the painful memories of the past that we need to have miraculously healed by the power of that same blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to recommend a thought to you this morning to know that God is not just the healer of my broken body, but he is also the healer of my broken past. And all of the pain and all of the misery and the sin and all of the things that have happened in my past that are forgiven under the blood can be forgotten and the pain of those memories to haunt me no more. And I trust that for each one of us this morning we might be able to have a son in our experience, a new life in our experience that we can call Manasseh. For the Lord, hallelujah, hath made me to forget all the toil and the pain of my father's house. And then we can have a second son, one which I believe is the, is the pure heart's delight and desire of every born-again, spirit-filled believer, and that is that he might be fruitful. And he can have, man, have, an, have another son named Ephraim, for the Lord hath made me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. I don't think we have to struggle to get you to identify with with Joseph this morning in the land of affliction. Job says more man is born to trouble, just like sparks fly upward when two, two hard pieces of metal are struck together. There's an automatic spark that flies. And if you are a person living and breathing, there are difficulties and struggles and problems. It seems from early in our lifetime we encounter these. Joseph was a very uh, outstanding young man as far as the scriptural record is concerned. There are no demerits beside his name. There are no negative points that are identified, no criticisms that are made. In spite of the fact that he was raised in a home 
and encountered things that most of us do. To varying degrees, I'm sure, there were the pressures of domestic difficulties and struggles. There was the peer pressures that he had to an ultimate extreme, the hatred that his brothers had for him, but the Bible said they could not speak pleasantly to him. There was no good communication, no conversation, nothing that really would make his home happy. There was loyalty choices between mother and father, and there was faction and friction and bickering and hatred. He went out to take food to his brethren in the field, and they plotted to kill him. Instead, the oldest brother said, let's just put him in a pit, which they did. He intended to set him free later on, but while he was gone, they sold him to the Midianites for 20 pieces of silver. Midianites sold him a second time to Potiphar and separated from his home, separated from his family, thrust into a heathen culture, was, was forced to collide head-on with moral pressures. Lied about, abused, imprisoned, forgotten, all of the things that can happen to a human being happen to him. And it would seem as though Joseph would be a prime candidate for drugs, for alcohol, for a twisted rebellious heart and, and a life filled with hatred and anger. He would seem to have every right to be so. But praise the Lord, there's another chapter that says the Lord was with Joseph. And let me tell you, young people, that'll make the difference. You may have a rotten home life. You may have peers who reject you and sell you out. You may have people who lie about you and deceive and misrepresent your, your position and your life. You may be incarcerated and cut off from everyone and everything that has meaning and, and seems to be where love is for you. But if the Lord is with you, oh, what a tremendous thing it is. When you read just chapter 39 and it says, But the Lord was with Joseph, and he made him to prosper in the house of his master in Egypt. And I like the third verse of this. Let me just insert it. And the master saw that the Lord was with him. I tell you, it's great to have the Lord with you, but it's even greater when the world sees that the Lord is with you. When your life so demonstrates the fact of the presence of God that a, that a, a person from an, a foreign culture to Christianity recognizes there's something different and something special. And Pharaoh saw that the Lord was with Joseph. And there's one more verse, verse 5, And the Lord blessed Egypt and the Egyptians for Joseph's sake. 
And I believe God is blessing America for Joseph's sake. God is holding this country together this morning because there are people with whom God dwells. There are Joseph's that have God living with them and abiding with them. The presence of the Lord has made the difference in their life and God is blessing because of those who love him and serve him. In prison, you see, he was just a young man, 17 years of age. Should have been home. But separated from his home, his family, and in prison. Incarcerated, in bondage, in jail. You know, some things really try our faith. And I don't know of anything that tests the faith of a Christian more than prolonged bondage or a prolonged problem, whether it's a physical one or whether it's a spiritual one. Joseph spent 13 years of his life in that prison, that jail. Nearly one half of his life. He was 17 when he was arrested, when he was put into prison, and he was 30 years of age. Genesis 42, 6 says, and Joseph was 30 years of age when he was taken out of the prison. Nearly half of his life. You see, his problem was that he, he had sin in his life. No, the problem was he refused the sin. And he was there because of his integrity, not because of the breakdown of his integrity. And I think we need to recognize that there are times in our Christian experience that things do not just go away the first time we pray. It doesn't mean that God's word is false. It doesn't mean that God's presence, uh, he's not with us anymore. It doesn't mean that our faith has become deficient. It doesn't mean that we need to look inside and find out what's wrong with us. But it means that God in his providence is leading us in a different direction. And that we need to lean heavily upon the fact of his promise that he said, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you, I'll be with you always, even to the end of the age. I think I'm speaking to some people this morning who may be in this service, who can readily identify with Joseph, and whose trial of faith has endured and some perhaps because of different things that might have been said by their friends and comforters wondering whether they were in the will of God or not and I've had people say to me but pastor it's been five years but pastor it's been ten years now well sometimes 
It takes a while. I don't understand that, but I know that God is on the throne this morning, and sometimes our faith is sorely tried by duration of trial. Things do not always end quickly. But God is always faithful to try us in our trial to, to be with us. God was gracious to Joseph inasmuch as there were no publications. He had no magazines coming to his cell, and he had no radio, and he had no television. He had no, no one to confuse him. He just had the Lord with him. You and I have to struggle against some other different odds and to fight sometimes unnecessary, unnecessary battles with the enemy because of misunderstanding. You see, Paul was in jail too, but he said, hey church, I'm not out of the will of the Lord. These things have happened to me for the furtherance of the gospel. For the furtherance of the gospel, this is not defeat. This is God's providential leading and direction. And sometimes we need to recognize God's hand in our lives and that he is able to lead us and help us. Let's look at some prison experiences with, with those in the word of God. There was a time in the life of Peter arrested for his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Sleeping on that hard prison cot one night, the angel of the Lord came into that room. Hallelujah. And I believe this morning in angels. I believe today that our deliverance and our, our freedom can come via a heavenly messenger, can come by way of the angels of the Lord. The Bible says they are in this place this morning, the balcony is full of them. The Bible says the angels of the Lord encamp round about them that fear him, and they deliver them. Hallelujah. They are ministering spirits sent of God to the household of faith. And so God sent one that evening, and he went inside that jail, woke Peter up, unshackled him, unlocked three iron gates, walked past 16 Roman soldiers and out into the cool night air, free. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I believe that God still employs angels to minister to his church, and he can still do this morning in November 1980 what he did in the first century. God is not without resource. He is able to deliver. You read on through this book and you find that Paul and Silas were thrown in jail for their testimony. There were fresh wounds that were dripping blood on a stale prison floor. And at midnight, they began to sing, Praise the name of Jesus. Hallelujah.
Praise the name of Jesus. He's my rock. He's my fortress. He's my deliverer. In him will I trust. Oh, hallelujah. God sent an earthquake and that prison began to shake. All of their bonds fell off. All the prison doors fell open. The prisoner got saved. Praise the Lord. They baptized his whole household because God still is able to deliver. And what God did on that day in Philippi, he can still do this morning in this service, in this church. Totally different from what he did for Peter. Peter, he just kind of slipped him out quietly. Angel put 16 soldiers to sleep, unlocked all the doors real quietly, and they slipped out. Nobody knew. Gave them that quiet slip. But with Paul and Silas, he shook it. Midnight, everybody was awake. He made sure nobody was asleep. The jail was awakened, and he thought he was, he was really going to have to commit suicide because he was responsible for all the prisoners. What am I saying? God never does it twice the same way. You can't stereotype God. You can't say, just praise him in your prison, and it's going to fly open. I don't think that's scriptural, but I do know there's power in praise. I don't know that we can expect an angel every time, but I know there are sometimes God's going to send an angel. He said, be careful entertaining strangers because you can entertain an angel unaware. I believe God still has those resources. Same man arrested in Rome, put in jail. Of course, the Romans had stronger jails than they did in Philippi. They were angel-proof. They were earthquake-proof. And by now, Paul had, when he was older, his faith had deteriorated, and uh, he no longer trusted God. He had forgotten how to praise. You know where I'm going? This time, there was no angel. This time, there was no earthquake. But I want you to know something. Paul hadn't lost his faith because he said to Timothy, I'm ready to go, Timothy. I've run the race. I've finished my course. I've kept the faith. Hallelujah. And he said, I want you to know this is not disaster. This is not devastation. This is promotion. It's time for me to be a king. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. With the Lord the righteous judge shall give to me in that day, and not to me only, but to all those who love his appearing. And he walked out with the soldiers, some in front, some behind, and he laid his head down, and the sword of the executioner separated his head from his body, and to be absent from the body, he was present with the Lord. 
God doesn't always do it the same way twice. He was there for a number of years, but thank God we have a New Testament this morning filled with letters inspired by the Holy Ghost because the Lord had, had directed him providentially into that position and into that place. I'm saying if you're serving God, the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord, and he delights in our way. He knows the way that I take. Isn't that scripture? He knows. And Jacob could say to his brothers, you meant it to me for evil, but God meant it all for good. God meant it all for good. Oh, let's not confuse ourselves and stereotype God. I don't know what he's up to. But I know whatever it is, it's right. He does all things well. You see, the same tremendous experience, the same jail where Peter was miraculously set free, where the angel came down, opened the door, led him out into the street, held James, and he was beheaded. Same prison, same week, same week, he was beheaded. What happened? James had no faith? No, James was finished. And the Lord promoted him. You see, it was more accomplished through Stephen's death than through his life. It was more accomplished through Jesus' death than through his life. We're celebrating the communion this morning we're redeemed not because of the life of Jesus, but because of the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And oh, the devil would say to us tauntingly, come down from the cross. And we have to say, oh no, that's not going to provide redemption for anyone. I will take the will of God as my cup. Whatever his will is for my life, that's what I want. That's what I want. And it may not always mean deliverance as we would seek it, but it is in God's providence and God's time. Oh, it's so easy for us to get bitter and get angry and get bent out of shape by the things that happen to us and the treatment that we get from people. Family, friends, brothers, sisters, misrepresented, can be forgotten. Some of those things we never ever get free of. But praise the Lord for Joseph's life. And he lets us know something. God has Manasseh for us. And he can help us to forget. And, you know, I think of our precious team challenge, young people this morning. I don't care where you've been, what your home life, your street life is like. It's under the blood. 
Hallelujah. Turn to the blood. I don't care where I've been, what I've done. Once I came to that cross, the burden of my guilt and my sin was atoned by the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And oh, there's nothing about the past that needs to appease us anymore. Those experiences that we've had need not pain us anymore. God can make us forget. Hallelujah. You'll never be fruitful for God. You'll never have an Ephraim until you have Manasseh. When you listen to what I'm saying, if you're bitter and you're angry and you're upset and you're twisted up because of, of what's happened to you through your life, you'll never produce an ounce of fruit until you have Manasseh first. Until those memories are healed until God can make you forget. I'm talking to hurt people this morning. I'm talking to family members who have been wounded by other family members, not just physical families, spiritual families. You can harbor that. You can feed that. You can nourish that. You can make it grow. You can let it stay. But, oh, I trust you will not at this communion service. As you remember the Lord, you'll ask him to help you to forget. And a Manasseh can be produced in your Christian experience this morning. Oh, you can be free. You can be free of the pain and the monster of memory. God can heal your memory. And that past can trouble you no more. And then you can go on to great fruitfulness in the experience of God. Father, I pray your blessing would rest upon your word and upon our lives together this morning. Make this time of fellowship at the table very profitable for us. Oh God, work in our minds today and as we remember Jesus and remember the work of the cross help us Lord that blood may be applied to the memory of our past and we might be made to forget in Jesus name thank you Lord thank you Lord Like for the gentlemen who are going to be serving us to come and take their position, please. We welcome all to the table of the Lord this morning. This is not a closed communion. It's open. Table wide open for anyone to receive and share. Even if you're here for the first time and you know Christ is your personal Savior, we welcome you. Participate with us. We ask as the elements are passed, just take it and hold it, and we'll all share this meal together. Sing the chorus while they serve us. <laughs> 